This episode of Cutting the Curd is brought to you by Comté Cheese Association. Comté, an iconic cheese from the Jura Mountains of France, favored by cheesemongers and cheese lovers all over the world. Find out more at comté-usa.com. That's C-O-M-T-E-USA.com. I want to welcome Marissa Mullen to today's show, who wrote That Cheese Plate Will Change Your Life. Welcome, Marissa. Hello, how's it going? Good, good. I'm so excited to have you on the show. Me too, me too. I'm a big fan. I I actually, I spoke to you guys a little while ago before the book um, at a Wisconsin cheese party in Brooklyn, which was so much fun. And I'm hoping that we can do that again and have gatherings together soon. Oh, yes, that would be great. (laughs) So (laughs) I want to say that Cheese Plate, writing it, did change your life, right? It did. It really did. Yes, the title definitely speaks truth. So uh, tell us about your journey into the world of cheese. Tell us all about it. (laughs) Yes. So, I mean, I have been a fan of cheese since I was young. It's my favorite food. And growing up, my dad, he is a self-taught chef. So he would always be cooking up all of these different dishes using different cheeses. My mom was always kind of like the front of house into entertaining. So she'd always put me on like appetizer duty at a young age. So I was always making cheese plates or, you know, not as elaborate as they are now, but the basics of cheese plates when I was young. And when I went into college, I started making these cheese plates for my friends. So we would have, you know, little wine and cheese parties together. Um, I would go to the grocery store, didn't have a big budget, but would buy, you know, maybe a few sprigs of rosemary to add to my cheese plate to make it feel a little fancy. Mm-hmm. And um, I ended up making the Instagram that cheese plate in college just as a way to document these cheese plate creations that I would make. Um, I've always been really fascinated in artisanal cheese making. My cousins grew up across the street from a dairy farm in Vermont. Um, mm-hmm. It was like a micro dairy. And I just loved just kind of like the art behind cheese, cheese making process um, and like the history behind it but I was not studying anything remotely close to cheese in college. I was actually a music industry major and um, ended up graduating working at The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. Mm-hmm. So definitely like a different job path than what I'm doing now, but I kept up with my Instagram on the side and almost followed the formula of how to you know create an artist into a brand. I did that with cheese. So. You know, I was in artist management classes. I was learning about how the music industry worked. um, And I was like, you know what? I can take this account that I have now that I'm doing just for fun. And maybe I'll make it a logo and I'll make it a merch store and I'll try to build it up and make it something bigger than just, you know, being my fun little food account on the side. Mm -hmm. So I kept up with it for years. I started it in 2014. And um, over the years, I started to reach out to you know, cheese brands that I really liked. So like Vermont Mm -hmm. Creamery was one of the first brands I reached out to just saying like on DM, like, Hey, I love your cheese. Would love to, you know, post about it. Mm -hmm. And in the beginning, a lot of this posting, all of the posting was just, you know, for free product in return, which Mm -hmm. was amazing for me in college because my friends and I got so excited to get this nice cheese. And, um, as I started to gain a little bit of a following, um, this turned into teaching like more, uh, 
like hands-on events in person. So mm-hmm. when I was in college, a friend, or sorry, when I graduated college, um, a friend of mine named Phoebe, she owns a wine bar called Lois in East Village. And it's an amazing female-owned wine bar. And we talked about teaming up together to do a build your own cheese plate class, which mm-hmm. I always wanted to do, but I never really knew where to start. Mm-hmm. And she was like, you should just do it here. Like I'll do, she actually used to be the cheese buyer at Bedford Cheese. Oh, or, great. Um, or head of cheese education there. So uh-huh. she, we kind of partnered up with this. The first half was deep dive into cheese education. The second half was the cheese plate building. And it was just this really fun, interactive, immersive class. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was kind of the turning point where I realized that this account was growing and it was impacting people. And it was something that I wanted to put more energy into. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I was working at the late show. My hours were crazy. Um, Like I'd work probably 12 hour days and then travel on the weekends because I was working with John Batiste, who's the jazz musician on the show, the band Mm -hmm. leader. Yeah. And uh, I was tour managing him on the road. I was, you know, it was just a very, how were you tormenting? How, how were you tormenting him? No, tour managing. Sorry. Oh (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) No, not tormenting, helping, helping. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so when I would so you had home. two jobs. You had the 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 weekend job and the day job. Yes, and then the cheese on the side. So there was a lot going on. Um, I really wanted to figure out a way to. Well, I, I think before I even decided to um, write my cookbook and kind of take that cheese plate to the next level, I just wanted to keep creating content because. For me, like making a cheese plate, which I touch upon this in my book too, but when I had time off from working, making a cheese plate was almost this like grounding activity that was an act of self-care for me in a sense where mm-hmm. it'd be a Saturday, I'd go to the grocery store, buy all my ingredients, I'd put on some soothing music, I would make a cheese plate, take photos of it, and then serve it to all my friends at night. And we had countless, which I called cheese parties, <laughs> where I would create content for my Instagram and then feed all of the cheese to my friends. Mm-hmm. And it really was just like a, a way for me to get out of my, you know, hectic mind of constantly being on and constantly working. It was kind uh-huh. of an escape from that, uh-huh. which was really nice. Now, did um, you take the photos all yourself? I did. Yeah. So when I graduated, or sorry, when I decided to do the book, um, this was kind of a long time coming. Um, I got connected to a book agent and we pitched out the idea, which was called cheese by numbers, um, which is the step-by-step method that I put together, Mm -hmm. um, behind creating a cheese plate, which really helped elevate the brand. And that's when all the press kind of started to come through because it made creating a cheese plate simple. Mm -hmm. And, uh, we pitched this out to about 20 publishers. Every single person rejected it because (laughs) I didn't have enough followers at the time and I didn't have enough press. (laughs) And, uh, for me as a result, I was, I just said, you know what, I'm going to make cheese by numbers into an Instagram because I know this idea works and I know Mm -hmm. that down the line, this will be something. So Mm -hmm. I made, um, cheese by numbers and Instagram. So now I have two Instagrams and all of those photos I took on my own, um, with my iPhone. So, mm-hmm. you know, pretty basic, just clean background, iPhone, a little bit of editing. Um, I have a like hobby for photography and I have, you know, more professional cameras, but for me, I realized that taking everything on my iPhone was just so simple and accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I went, so cheese by numbers ended up getting found by the Rachel Ray show in November of 2018. 
Mm. So I went on Rachel Ray to talk about the method. And then at that point forward, everything kind of just exploded in early 2019. I did an article with Vox um, Mm -hmm. where I talked about cheese plates, how cheese plates are self-care. And then I was on the Today Show for it. And then um, Random House came out of the woodwork and asked if I wanted to write a book. And it's it was a very full circle moment for me. um, Now, had you had had you had they rejected you originally? So two different imprints at Random House did, but not the imprint that reached out to me. So it's such a huge publishing company. There's so many different, you know, sectors. Uh And what was great is that the publishing company, the imprint that reached out to me was called the Dial Press. And they're all about um, entrepreneurial, inspiring female stories. Uh So it wasn't even like a cookbook branch of Random House. It was more of this like female story branch, which actually fit so much better for me and my my -hmm. whole journey. Mm -hmm. Um, so I ended up quitting my job at the late show in early 2019 and going directly into writing this book because they want to get it out by 2020. Uh And I asked them, um, I want to do all of this myself because, you know, I, I do all my photos myself anyways, and I have a very specific vision of what I want this to be. Can Mm -hmm. I take all the photos with my phone? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And they said, yes, they were like, you know what? The iPhones are good enough these days. The quality is, is good enough quality. Go for it. So Mm -hmm. it was me in my Brooklyn apartment at my tiny little kitchen table. Mm -hmm. Every day I would go to the farmer's market to grocery store, buy ingredients, make like five cheese plates in one day. Um, throughout the book, you'll see that the cheese by numbers method is six different steps. So there's uh-huh. a step-by-step process. So that's six other photos of the one cheese plate. So it was a lot, definitely a lot of work. I think if I do another book in the future, I'll probably hire some team to help me. <laughs> but I was very uh, just naive and hungry and trying to get this out. So um, uh-huh. it was, yeah, I think looking back, I almost like black out the experience because it was so intense, but uh-huh. I was so happy to get it out there in the world. Now, when did it come out? So the book came out in May of 2020, which oh. was very interesting. Oh, oh. <laughs> it's funny yes. because I feel like because it came out in the pandemic, it almost, I was able to capture the attention of my social media following in more of a um, engaged way than if Mm -hmm. pandemic wasn't happening because Mm -hmm. everyone was on their phone, you know? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. in the beginning, it was a big bummer because I had a 16 city book tour planned. I had all these fun events planned, you know, Mm -hmm. I was supposed Mm -hmm. to be on the today show the day after the book came out, which canceled. Um, but that being said, I was able to, I had random house ship me all of, like, we were supposed to do these, uh, like press and influencer mailings. I had them ship me all the books and I just wrote handwritten cards myself Mm -hmm. and made it like made these, you know, influencer mailings a little bit more personal than they would have been if they just got shipped out from random house Mm -hmm. and, um, ended up getting a lot of really, uh, prominent people to post about it, which was a big thing for, for just getting the word out about the book. Mm -hmm. Um, and then started to, yeah, just really cultivate my online community and, I started hosting um, online Instagram live happy hours on Saturdays where everyone, I'd give people a list of items to buy. We'd build a cheese plate together. I started to kind of like post my myself more on my account because mm-hmm. if you look at my account, it is mainly just cheese plates, but mm-hmm. I started to kind of infuse my personality behind it um, because mm-hmm. we had so much time to be at home and, and mm-hmm. to create. So 
it actually worked out at the end of the day um, because, you know, everyone's in their homes creating cheese plates. It's, it's a fun right. thing to do when there's not <laughs> much else to do. Right. Now, tell me about the cheese by numbers idea. How did you uh, come up with it and what is it? Yes. Yeah, so cheese by numbers is a step-by-step -step approach to building a cheese plate. And it kind of covers all of the categories, almost like a grocery list when you're shopping. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So step one is cheese. Step two is meat. Step three is produce. Step four is crunch. Step five is dips. And step six is garnish. So if you build it in that order and go through those steps, you should cover everything you need to make the perfect cheese plate that is aesthetically pleasing, has pairings that work well together. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, just makes the whole process really easy. I came up with this because I used to build my cheese plates in the same order every time. And I'm a very visual learner. And when I was making these cheese plates, it almost reminded me of these paint by number maps mm -hmm. um, that I used to paint as a kid. And mm -hmm. a friend of mine who works at the late show also, she's an illustrator on the side. So she illustrated my whole book. And I asked her as an early merch idea, I want to do a tote bag. And I asked her to illustrate one of my cheese plates for this tote bag and seeing it in this circular shape with illustration really went hand in hand with this whole cheese by numbers idea in my head. Um, so I just started to post about it on Instagram where, you know, I made the cheese by numbers method into an Instagram and how it mm -hmm. works is you go onto the page and you swipe the page, you swipe the photo carousel to build the plate. So it takes your steps and it takes the plate and starts at cheese, adds the meat, adds the produce and builds it. And mm -hmm. I think that uh, visual element really helped, you know, take something that is intimidating and intricate from afar and break it down to these steps, which makes it so much mm -hmm. easier to build. So, mm -hmm. yeah, that's that's kind of like the the method behind that cheese plate is cheese by numbers. OK, now uh, it's time for a break. We'll be right back. This episode of Cutting the Curd is brought to you by Conte Cheese Association. Conte Cheese Association represents the Conte PDO, Conte Protected Designation of Origin in the USA. Conte is a raw milk cooked pressed cheese from the Jura Mountains of France. There, every day, 2,500 family farms deliver milk to over 150 local cheesemaking facilities, or fruitiers. This milk must be transformed into Conté within 24 hours of milking to preserve the lactic microflora in the milk, ensuring the cheese's aromatic potential. About 105 gallons of milk are required to craft a single wheel of Conté. Conté takes time to acquire its flavors in the affinage cellars. After eight months of aging by dedicated affineurs on average, each wheel of Conté is graded and shipped to market. No wheel of Conté is the same. Its flavors speak to the pastures where the cows grazed, the season in which it was made, the particular craftsmanship of the cheesemaker, and the time spent in the aging cellar. Therefore, every wheel of Conte is unique. Learn more about Conte, an iconic cheese from the Jura Mountains of France, favored by cheesemongers and cheese lovers all over the world. Find out more at Conte-USA.com. That's C-O-M-T-E hyphen U-S-A dot com.
Hi, I'm with Marissa Mullen, um, and we're discussing That Cheese Plate Will Change Your Life, uh, the book she wrote, and um, I have a lot more questions. <laughs> I'm excited. So now, what are your personal favorite cheese pairings, and how have they changed through the years? Oh, that's such a good question. Well, like I mentioned before in college, I didn't really have a, you know, large budget to splurge on the nicer cheeses and uh, kind of kept it simple. But I mean, mm -hmm. I've always been a big fan of Camembert and Brie and, you know, Bloomy Rhine cheeses. Mm -hmm. um, so I think back in the day, like I loved just a simple um, like Brie and fig jam pairing. Mm -hmm. I love like a really creamy, salty, robust, you know, slightly earthy brie paired with that sweet fig jam. I think that goes so well together. Mm -hmm. um, but as I got more into the world of cheese plating and, you know, discovering different types of cheeses, I feel like my, my palate has expanded just to incorporate a little bit more like funky pairings that you probably wouldn't think of, you know, at first glance. Mm -hmm. um, something that I love is kind of like tying in terroir of cheese plates or of cheese, for example, having like a really nice nutty, sharp Vermont cheddar and pairing it with like maple smoked almonds, so like having mm -hmm. some sort of maple element tying in with the Vermont theme. Um, I've been loving in the summertime doing like really fresh pairings. So like fresh feta, watermelon and mint and like tying in different uh, garnishes and herbs with my mm -hmm. cheese pairings as well. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it's, Pairing, the world of pairings is so vast and I'm still every day <laughs> trying new things. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, the thing about cheese is that with every, every different cheese has so many nuances and flavors behind the initial salty and fatty consistency. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I did this really awesome Gruyere cheese tasting where um, it was a guided tasting and we did a six month, a 12 month, and then the Del Page and did a blind taste test. So took a bite, close your eyes and kind of figure out what is like developing on your palate. Mm -hmm. And, um, it was just, you know, each cheese was so, so different, although it was mm -hmm. the same style. Right. Right. Now, how long have you been doing cheese from college? Yeah. Since so professional, I guess I started the account in 2014, but mm -hmm. I, I'd say that you know, professionally, um, would be probably when I started teaching cheese classes, which would mm -hmm. be 2018. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. So, so not too long. Yeah, not too long. I mean, I think, you know, it was always a hobby and a passion for a long time. Um, but I think I took those years of 2014 to 2018 to just grow my account and learn more about the world of cheese. Mm -hmm. Um, it was kind of like my deep dive into, the vast cheese world. And, mm -hmm. uh, I wouldn't say that I was like a, a professional working in cheese when I first started my account. Mm -hmm. So I'd say probably, yeah, a little bit later. <laughs> okay. Now, um, what was your dream job in the music industry? <laughs> yeah. So kind of similar in a sense, I really wanted to do, um, or still, you know, maybe one day we'll, we'll get back around to it, but creative direction for, um, artists and musicians. So essentially mm -hmm. if an artist is producing or releasing a new album and they want to come up with album art and their message and their vision behind the album, 
how do how do we like construct that how do we take that and move it into music video form how do we take that and move that image into a live performance um i actually had the experience um right after college before working at the late show touring with megan trainer who's a pop musician and it was on her tour where um she had a creative director she was at a point in her career where she could hire a creative director and mm -hmm. i learned so much her name is charm ladonna she is amazing and she just takes every single element of the music and like kind of turns it into a live performance, which I find mm -hmm. so cool. Mm -hmm. um, I just love, you know, the visual elements of seeing different pieces come together and create something bigger, which is why I feel like it kind of relates to a cheese plate in a way. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, how did you intersperse cheese and music for a while? What did, did it overlap? Yeah, it definitely overlapped. Um, I mean, when I was doing Rachel Ray and the Today Show, I was still working at The Late Show. So uh, luckily at that point, I was just working for John Batiste outside of The Late Show. So mm -hmm. he his day, he didn't really need me until about like 11 or 12 every day. Mm -hmm. So I had the mornings where I would wake up, make like three different cheese plates for Instagram <laughs> and then go to work, do everything with John. And then on the weekends, make more cheese plates. Um, the funniest was the day that I was in The Today Show. My call time there was like, think, you know, it was really early, like 7 a.m. I did the Today Show live, finished at nine, went straight to the Late Show, saw John, and he was like, wait, why are you wearing so much makeup? <laughs> I was like, oh, uh, I was just on the Today Show. <laughs> and he he knew about everything that was going on, but I don't think he realized the, uh, the speed in which it was all growing, which I didn't uh -huh. either as uh -huh. I was in it. Uh -huh. um, but I think once the book deal came through and there was such a timeline with that, that's when I sat down with him and was like, listen, this is something that, you know, is an opportunity that I can't pass up and I have to right. do this. Now, you, you talk about cheese being creative and grounded and that you felt that way about doing cheese, but not music. <laughs> well, it's interesting when you're working in a field for so long. I mean, music has always been one of my main passions and going to see live music and experiencing um like seeing with John Batista I got to um direct a music video for him and all of his live mm -hmm. performances on the late show he let me creative direct so seeing all that come alive was so fulfilling um but I think when you are in the hustle and the grind that long it does you know the the passion behind it tends to fade after a mm -hmm. while mm -hmm. um but what's funny now is that I feel like with cheese, because I'm able to be my own boss, control my own schedule, um, you know, it kind of give and take when I need to cheese for me has kind of stayed in that middle ground of still being a hobby and something that is grounding for me. And now mm -hmm. music has been able to come into that world as well, because now that I don't work in it, I can enjoy it mm. as a passion. Okay. Um, Unfortunately, not in 2020 because of the pandemic. There's no live music, but I'm excited right. for when live music comes back. <laughs> now, um, how has the pandemic um, motivated you or or harmed you? Yeah, great question. Um, I think in the beginning, it definitely for everyone was really hard. Um, mm -hmm. Just kind of not knowing what is in store, not knowing how long this was going to be. Mm -hmm. um, 
it definitely, you know, I had a few weeks in March where I was just like feeling very discouraged and not sure how to move forward. But Mm -hmm. I realized like, you know, what really helped me and what encouraged me was the community that I built on that cheese plate. Everyone who follows that cheese plate is so supportive, so creative. Like all of the cheese plates that people tag me in every day are incredible. Um, Mm -hmm. And being able to feel like I had that support still, although the world was paused, really was something that kept me motivating. So I started to create more. um, I created this series on Instagram TV called lunch date with that cheese plate, where I would make like a recipe for lunch and teach people how to make it. And then Mm -hmm. um, the Instagram happy hours I started doing, which ended up turning into uh, my cheese classes online. So the Mm -hmm. cheese classes that I taught at Lois, I sort of morphed into uh, this online platform called that cheese class where Mm -hmm you know, either I have a grocery list for people to buy or we send out supplies. I actually last week, last month teamed up with Ann Saxelby from Saxelby Cheese and we did a cheese plate box that got delivered to your front door and then you can build along on the live stream with us, which was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think just having this community that was like supporting me and cheering me on and then hearing from them that I was inspiring them to create something and to find something fun to do in the pandemic. Um, that really kept me motivated. Mm -hmm. Now, how long do your beginners when, when you meet a beginner, um, cheese wise, how long do they just copy your plates and when do you recommend them striking out on their own? I always recommend striking out on your own. Like I'd say use my plate as a template and a guide, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but infuse your own creativity. You know, I think the biggest thing is that if you try to completely copy something, it might feel a little discouraging if you can't get it just right. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, your plate doesn't look exactly like mine. Like people will beat themselves up over that. Like, don't worry. You know, at the end of the day, this is a cheese plate (laughs) and it's Mm -hmm. something that should be fun and creative and, you know, an experience Mm -hmm. that you can infuse your own style into. Um, so I love when people make plates from the book and tag me in them because they're always slightly different. Mm-hmm. And that's just because, you know, you, I, it reminds me of those um, paint and sip classes where someone's mm-hmm. up at the front of the room painting a photo and or painting a picture and everyone copies their picture. But if you put all of those photos side by side, not one is going to look the same. Mm-hmm. Um, that's similar to a cheese plate. So mm-hmm. I always say, like, use this as a guide. Use the cheese by numbers method as a way to learn about different cheeses and pairings and colors that go well together. But at the end of the day, infuse your own creativity into your mm-hmm. into your boards. Okay. What is the Salami River? <laughs> so the Salami River is the uh, focal point of charcuterie on a cheese plate. And mm-hmm. uh, whenever I add charcuterie, so whether that's, you know, salami or... So prosciutto or prosciutto, I always kind of fold it down the center of a plate to make this uh, river shape. Mm. And there's a few different purposes for it. One is that, you know, when you get salami in a package, it's usually stuck together. All the pieces are just one big slab. And Mm -hmm. you serve it on a plate like that, it's kind of hard to take apart. Mm -hmm. So by folding each piece and putting it in this nice formation, it makes it easier to serve your meat to guests. Mm-hmm. Um, secondly, the way that the salami is folded, especially if you're using like a Genoa salami, you take a slice out of the river and it kind of unfolds so that it keeps refilling itself in a way. So it's mm-hmm. like the endless salami river. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. And then I also just love 
you know, having that focal point in the center to break up the composition of a cheese plate. Um, with cheese plates, I always like to use symmetry, color blocking, you know, it's a very mm -hmm. visual thing for me. So having mm -hmm. that meat down the center of the plate is a really pretty, almost like a Mandela or like a, uh, a yin yang type mm -hmm. design, which is mm -hmm. fun. Okay. Um, now, how old are you? I am 28. I turned 29 in June. Oh, okay. I was wondering, I'm trying to figure it out. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been a long, long, uh, I think back to 2014 when I first started this and it was right when I uh, was 21 turning 22. So mm -hmm. it's funny to think that most of my twenties have been cheese. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So how, how did this all come about? Like, when did you begin to change from music to just cheese? Was it? I think, yeah, I think the main, you know, the, the first time that I felt this shift happening, um, I think was the first time I was on TV. So on Rachel Ray, mm -hmm. just because when that happens, you get so much attention you get, and you, you must have gotten excited. Oh yeah. It was crazy. Cause I also at, at the Rachel, like at uh, the late show, I was personal assistant and never, I was always behind the camera, always, um, never, you know, never the talent, always trying right, to make everyone right. else happy and make sure all the logistics were set make sure everyone was where they needed to be at the right time. And then at the Rachel Ray show, I was like, wait, this is weird. I have to go into hair and makeup and like, I'm going to be in front of the camera. Okay. Like this is, <laughs> this is a little bit different. And it did take me a while to kind of get over that, uh, imposter syndrome per se uh -huh. of, okay. you know, going from, cause I instantly went from being a personal assistant to running my own business in the oh. matter of a day. Um, oh. <laughs> you know, it's like, I left the late show and all of a sudden it's not like, oh, I left the late show to start a new job where I'm maybe like a step up from an assistant. It's like, no, I left the late show to literally be the talent and the owner of this company and writing a book. So it's like, wow, that shift wow. was really intense. Uh -huh. Um, but again, I just kind of followed my passion for it and honed into the fact that I just love making cheese plates and it's just such a creative outlet for me and trusting the process and, you know, like learning from failure, trusting that everything will work out the way it's supposed to and kind of like having a, a spiritual outlook on it. You know, it's mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. don't take yourself too seriously, work hard, be nice to people. But mm -hmm. you know, if something doesn't work out, it's not supposed to. So I kind of mm -hmm. just leaned into the unknown, <laughs> mm -hmm. which is all you really can do when you do a big shift like that. Right. Was it hard or sad to leave music behind? It was definitely hard. Yeah. Um, I feel like I had to kind of disassociate myself for a second just to mm -hmm. be like, okay, now I'm Marissa in cheese, not Marissa in music, which mm -hmm. later on I realized, no, you can be Marissa in everything. It doesn't have to be music or cheese, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but I think, because I mean, I was working in music since I was 18. So it was such a big part of my life. Um, leaving that whole career path that I was working so hard towards in college, mm -hmm. pre-college, in college, post-college, um, it definitely was a hard thing to do. Mm -hmm. um, and also, you know, I had a lot of people who didn't really understand that cheese plate and didn't really know what I was mm -hmm. leaving to do being like, why would you leave the late show? Like, that's such the number one talk show. Like, why would you leave that? You know, mm -hmm. um, which didn't help <laughs> the process of leaving. Right. But I think once I kind of got into my groove of book writing and then 
got used to the pace of being a freelancer versus being in this corporate world. Um, it made it a lot easier. And then again, yeah, just going to starting to go to shows just for fun, not for work, um, made that connection stronger again and made me realize that I don't need to identify myself with what I'm working in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So how did you select the recipes in the book? Yeah. So the plates or the recipes? Because there's the the plates. Oh, no, so. no, 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 no. The, the recipes. The recipes, you yeah. you have not very many recipes. Yeah, so the recipes are few and far between, um, mainly because I wanted to keep it focused on the plates. Uh-huh. Um, but the recipes in the book all are meant to kind of enhance your plate in some way. Mm-hmm. So every recipe that is in the book can be found on a plate that you can build. So, for example, mm-hmm. like in the meat chapter, um, I have a recipe for grilled marinated shrimp (laughs) skewers Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, because my dad growing up, he like always would grill and it was a recipe that I always loved. Um, And I just love shrimp. And I felt like not a lot of people think to pair shrimp and seafood Mm -hmm, with cheese. mm -hmm. So it was an interesting way to pair it on a plate with um, feta, which was like on this, the plate called uh, that grill night plate, which was fun. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then I have another recipe for, you know, I have very simple recipes. I have one for like dark chocolate dipped strawberries that is on a date night plate. Mm-hmm. I have another one, um, homemade hummus, which I put on a meze platter, uh, pimento cheese dip, which I put on a uh, the pimento party plate. So mm-hmm. yeah, all of the recipes are aimed to just kind of add a little bit of, you know, spice to a cheese mm-hmm. plate to elevate mm-hmm. it to the next level. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm now the resident cheese plater at Food 52, and it's been so much fun because I've kind of grown my my repertoire of recipes. And in my next book, I'm excited to kind of take the recipe section to the next level because it's so much fun to do. Okay. Now, how did you pick the quotes? Yes. So the quotes throughout the book, um, I picked based on... So the book is separated into the cheese by numbers method. So... Chapter one is cheese, chapter two is meat, chapter three is produce, and so Mm -hmm. on. Mm -hmm. So I picked people who I knew and I met in the industry just from working in this world who I thought could best represent each chapter. So, for example, chapter one, I have Liz Thorpe, who she kind of started and built the um, e-commerce site at Murray's Cheese. Mm -hmm. She has many books about cheese. She's kind of a, a cheese expert. I had her give me a little quote about what cheese means to her. Mm-hmm. Um, for the meat chapter, I had the founders of La Quercia Prosciutto tell me what, you know, what meat means to them. Basically, mm-hmm. like taking these steps and. Uh, oh, so you ask with... the people ahead of time for the quotes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. okay. Um, same thing with like uh, the crunch chapter. I asked my friend Elisa, who is the founder of Maman Bakery in Brooklyn or in New York City in Toronto. Um, and everyone who I asked, I just said, you know, like you specialize in this field, whether it's, you know, baking, charcuterie, cheese, Mm -hmm. Mike's hot honey. He's, uh, in the book too. He does hot honey. Mm -hmm. You have dove into this niche market. Like why, and what does that mean to you? And how does Mm -hmm. baking bread or making honey or making prosciutto, uh, ignite the senses and, and bring you down to earth again, connecting with that self-care element, Mm -hmm. um, 
So yeah, that's, that's kind of how I selected all of those quotes. And then the quotes on the back of the book from Rachel Ray, Vox and Food and Wine. Uh, something I learned from my publisher is that if anyone's, if Rachel Ray on the show says this and it's recorded, that can be a poll quote. <laughs> so oh, okay. she, on the show, in my interview, she said she takes the guesswork out of the coolest, most solid thing to bring to a party potluck, the cheese platter. So we were able uh-huh. to take that as a quote and put it on the book, which was oh, fun. Okay. Okay. Um, so um, what else? What else can you tell me about uh, this whole uh, creative Thing you've been into yeah I guess I mean it's interesting because right now um, I'm at this point where the book has been out for almost a year now um, mm-hmm. the world How's is opening doing? up again it's How's doing it really doing? well oh, yeah good. we had yeah we had a great push over the holidays um, where we actually sold out of it which oh, was crazy excellent yeah so that it sold out on Amazon it sold out everywhere where it was which was nuts um and then wow i'm really grateful because yeah and uh a big kind of you know marketing um what's the word strategy with this was that we wanted to make the size gifty so that you can you know give it out for any holiday so it's not your typical size cookbook you know big Mm -hmm. coffee table book it's a little bit smaller Mm -hmm. um but that being said it's amazing because we've gotten uh Anthropology, Urban Outfitters, West Elm, Paper Source, all of these big companies to pick it up and sell it in their stores. So mm. that's been a really awesome thing for me to see. I had it actually um, when I first started writing this book, before all the rejections, I had it on a vision board <laughs> and I wrote, I want to see my book in anthropology. So <laughs> having that book be an anthropology was insane. It was oh, yeah, great. very full great. circle. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. So now it's been out for a year and the world is opening up again. So I'm kind of at this pivotal point where I'm trying to navigate where to go next. You know, I definitely want to mm-hmm. do in-person gatherings again when it's safe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely want to start writing a second book when the time is right. But for now, mm-hmm. I'm just, you know, continuing making content and and doing my thing. Okay. Okay. Well, it's been great to meet you and have you on the show. Yes, Uh, thank you for having me. Thank you very much. Cutting the Curd is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.